beads. Somebody at the door with the beads. For a second. At the door. Both doors. Yep. All right. Now we got our kids uh, situated. You've had a chance to greet each other. Pastor Dan's going to be continuing the series. Uh, we're looking at uh, the God I thought I knew. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements for you. We've got a card in here with some information about our truck retreat. Everybody should have received one in the mail. Uh, truck retreat's going to be Sunday, October 26th. And so mark your calendars for that. If you've got kids, it'd be a great thing to bring them to. Great opportunity to invite your friends and family to come join you for that as well. So uh, you'll be hearing more information about that soon. There's also some information uh, on the inside of your program. We've got a white insert with some information about Voice of the Martyrs. That's coming up. We're hosting Voice of the Martyrs National Conference right here at Springbrook, October 11th. And so Pastor Dan will be talking about that a little bit more during the service. But this is a great opportunity uh, for us to kind of hear what God's doing uh, in the global church. Um, we've got a purple insert with some information about our marriage and daddy class. Our small groups kicked off last week, and I'm not kidding you. It was so exciting. Our small group met. We had the, uh, six of us in our group. And we had a great time looking at uh, the upcoming series and talking about the attributes of God. And uh, if you want to get connected to a small group, you can do that today. Today's really the last day to do that. But maybe you just want to spend some time investing in the relationship with your spouse. Uh, this marriage and daddy class will last eight weeks. Bill and Becky Atkinson have been hosting it. We had uh, 12 families come through it uh, this last spring, and it was fantastic. I've heard nothing but great stories about that. So if you uh, are interested in that, stop by the uh, ministry center counter out there uh, after the service this morning. I'd love the opportunity to talk to you about that, but you can sign up for that as well. On the back, some information about our women's ministry coffee connections coming up Monday, uh, October the 6th, Tuesday the 7th. And so ladies, this is a great opportunity uh, to get to meet some more ladies in Springbrook here and just get to uh, Figure out how you can get connected. We've got a Christmas gathering coming up in November, and so there's some more information uh, that you can find at the Ministry Center as well. We have our leadership gathering today. If you're a leader, raise your hand. We hope to see you there. You know, I, I found out, Dan and I found out there was a there was a football game today. Did you know there's a football game in Chicago and Green Bay? And, and we didn't even know Green Bay had a football team, so 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 we did not have that on our calendar, so <laughs> So we apologize for the overlap. Our leadership meeting uh, is at 1230 today. So leaders, we hope you can be with us. But uh, we're glad you're with us as we continue our series, uh, The Gods We Thought We Knew. We're glad you're here. Yeah, um, ushers, if we could remove two people down here. Uh, they have some foreign type of... Uh, thing on their bodies that just, it's sacrilegious, it really is. Yeah, just just escort them out, you know, I mean, well, I guess we're open to everybody here, so you can stay this service, but please, please don't do that again. This is, the Bears are God's team, okay? And I really need to disciple you in that. <laughs> well, good morning, guys. We're continuing on in our series. And our series is on the God I wish I knew. The God I wish I knew. And we're going to be exploring today the question, why does God allow suffering? Here's a picture of Don and Peg Windmiller. And Don and Peg attended here for about five years. And they moved down to Florida. And just about 12 days ago, Peg seen to what seem to experience what we think is a stroke. They're not sure. But she is uh, just has, can say limited things. And uh, you know, we're praying, of course, for a miracle. Uh, I'm special friends uh, with them. And uh, so let's pray for them. 
Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for Don and Peg. I pray that you would carry them through this time. I pray that you would do a miracle in Peg's life. I pray that you would bring her all the way back, as uh, Don says, for her to fully wake up 100%. That is my prayer in faith. Now, whatever your will is, Lord. And I just pray you be with Don and comfort him this morning as he uh, just ministers to his wife. And uh, we just love him so much. In Christ's name, amen. Now, let's think about this. What if that happened to you or to your spouse or to one of your children? But what would go through your mind? I mean, all, everything's going fine all of a sudden. This uh, very serious illness comes into your life. Well, I think all of us at some point ask a question, why God? Why me? Why me? Why my husband? Why my child? And that's what we're going to be looking at today is the key question about why does God allow suffering? Now, has anybody ever asked you that question? Why does God allow suffering? Just raise your hand high. I'm just curious here. Yeah, it's a very, it's the most common question about God. Because people say, okay, God's a loving God, John 3:16, And they see all of the sin across the world, all of the conflict. They see the evening news and the Chicago news and say, how could God allow something like that? Well, it's a very complicated issue, uh, but we're going to look at God's Word and see what it has to say about this particular question. I always encourage you to take notes. If you want to take out your message notes at this time, we're learning uh, to help other people grow in Christ. So when you're listening to a message, just don't listen to it for yourself. Listen it. Listen so you can teach someone else, like your child, or you can discuss it uh, with your husband or wife or a friend or whoever. So we encourage you to do that. Well, to look at this particular question, we have to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, a story that uh, we know well about how God created man and woman, Adam and Eve, and He created them for His glory. He created them to have fellowship with them. And here they were in this beautiful paradise. Some of you have flown down south to far reaches to find paradise and uh, warm weather. And God had created it for them. I mean, it was the most perfect place that met every need that they had. It's what we all would want for ourselves. God put them there. But He also put a tree there that He told them not to eat of. A tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, you can enjoy all the trees in this garden and all the food that's here, but don't touch that tree. Don't eat from that tree. And Eve was confronted by a snake, of course, who was Satan. And Satan uh, told her, how can you trust God? That's basically what he said. How can you trust God? And I tell you what, friends, we ask that, ourselves that question a lot, don't we? We look at what's going on in our lives and how can I truly trust God with this? I think this is out of control. It's out of God's control. (laughs) It's never out of God's control, right? But it's a question that Satan likes to put to us. How can you trust God? And so Eve said, hey, 
you know, I, I want to be like God. I want to know what he knows. And she took a bite out of the fruit. And then Adam came along and he took a bite out of the fruit. And that uh, was the first sin. And that was a sin that changed the world. Now people say, well, why didn't God make Adam and Eve so they wouldn't make that choice? Well, because he gave them free will. He gave them a choice. Because if he made them to not sin against him or not even have a choice, they'd be like robots, right? That wouldn't be a relationship. You've got to have a choice to love someone or not love someone. So they made the choice not to love him and follow his commands. Well, everything went downhill uh, from there. They were banished from the garden because the tree of life was in there. And if you hated that, you'd continue to live. And God did not want them to continue to live in this sinful world now. And as we look at uh, uh, Romans, uh, excuse me here. As we look at Romans 5:12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, who's that man? Adam, right? Yeah. Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. So as soon as he sinned and they had children, they passed down this spiritual, uh, sinful nature. And it's been passed down for generations and generations. So a newborn uh, is uh, spiritually dead in a sense. Now, again, we believe in the age of accountability. So uh, get up to uh, whatever age for each particular child when they truly can understand the gospel. That's when God, again, uh, starts to listen. Uh, So if a child is uh, taken out of the world earlier, that uh, they go to heaven. But the point here is that it has spread throughout the ages. And each of us were born uh, with a sinful nature. Now, some of you are thinking, well, if I were Adam or if I were Eve, I wouldn't have done that. Think so? (laughs) I think I would have. (laughs) And I think all of us would have. So we can't put I hate Adam bumper stickers on our car. No, that's not really appropriate. <laughs> so, uh, we look in uh, 1 Peter 3.9. Or, excuse me. Um, uh, Genesis 3.17 and 18. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. So this is part of the penalty for their sin. They no longer had the wonderful fertile ground of the Garden of Eden. Now they had tough soil that they had to work with. Some of you gardeners out there know how hard it is uh, to grow things uh, this past summer and uh, in your experience. Well, that's because of the curse. It used to be it was all fertile soil and things grew like crazy. Well, now that's not the case. And that also applies today even in our own work lives is that work is very difficult because we're a sinner dealing with other sinners (laughs) trying to get something done. And that always is going to bring out uh, the worst in a lot of people and issues, of course, in all of us. 
there also is a uh, curse uh, on the world in the sense that uh, women would experience pain in childbirth. So all of you women, you can put I hate Adam on your bumper sticker. You're allowed to do that for the pain you've experienced. There's two different types of evil. There's moral evil, and that's what's inside of us. That sinful nature, a desire to be selfish, to, to have what we want. Uh, we, we look, of course, <laughs> you know, at the news, and we listen to the stories about the murders and the rape and the abuse, and it goes on and on again. And say, why is that? Well, it's because God has given man a free choice of whether he's going to sin or not, whether he's going to respond now to the gospel of Jesus Christ or not. And so our world will always be like this, always be like this. But there's also something called natural evil. We see this in Romans 8.22, where we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. It's also a part of the curse on the world that Satan, or excuse me, that God gave forth was that the ecosystem of the world was, was again, thrown off. It was, we, never, we never intended that there would be tornadoes or hurricanes or tsunamis, but because of man's sins, uh, the world was cursed, and therefore things didn't work as they usually do, the same way with our bodies. Our bodies don't last. Uh, cancer, uh, all different type of illnesses you can think of, any type of physical suffering uh, you go through is also part of the curse upon the world. It says in Romans 5.18, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Now, what is that talking about? That's talking about Jesus Christ. Adam, of course, sinned, and we continue to sin, and that makes it uh, a problem in our relationship with God because He is holy and we are a sinner. And therefore, we can't have a relationship with Him because we have a penalty for that sin, and that's eternity spent from, alone from Jesus Christ. But the great news is Jesus Christ came down and paid the penalty for that sin on the cross as we talked about last week and as we see in this verse. Just as one trespass... Now, whose trespass was that? Adam's, right? Adam represents mankind. Therefore, as Adam's trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness... What was that? Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins, right? Paying the penalty so we wouldn't have to pay an eternal penalty leads to justification and life for all men. And we here at Springbrook, the most important thing we want to communicate to everyone is the good news of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus Christ wants to have a relationship with you and you simply just need to come to Him and you can't do it on your good works. So you've got to say, I come empty-handed, Lord. I'm a sinner. I repent. I, I, I say that was wrong and I'm going to go in a different direction and I want you as my Savior. And if you make that type of decision, that transforms uh, your life. And we would love to help you with that if you're interested in talking about that. But that's the great news. So what we have so far is a sinful nature, a cursed world, and then we also have some guy named Lucifer. 
It was Lucifer. Well, he's Satan. Remember, Lucifer was the highest created being. And he sinned against God. And by, because he wanted to be like God, right? The God complex that we all have. We all want to be like God. We all want to be in control. So what happened was, is that he rebelled against God, trying to be God himself. He took a third of the angels with him, way, way back in time. And of course, they became demons. And now he and his demons are encouraging us to sin. They, they don't want to do anything that would encourage us to go toward God. So, of course, Satan is the prince of this world, the ruler of the world. Our culture encourages us to sin. My favorite name for Satan is the father of lies because he continues to feed lies to us. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. So that's Satan's agenda for your life, to steal and kill and destroy. And there we see Jesus Christ agenda for your life. It's all so much important so important to understand. Now, how does sin work in our lives? It's not like you wake up one day and you say, I'm married, but I think I'd like to have an affair today. So I'm going to ask that woman at the office I've noticed and see if you know she'd like to do that. Is that what you do? <laughs> I don't think so. Every sin starts out with one thought. One thought, one lustful look in this case. And then what we do is it grows and grows within us until finally we commit the sin and then, of course, we experience the pain. James 1, 14 and 15. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Notice Satan's not involved here. <laughs> we can do it on our own. Uh, so in this particular situation we're talking about a person looking at another person who's not their spouse and saying I would like to have a relationship uh, with them and so we don't make that decision right away but the more we think about it and it grows within us in verse 15 then desire when it has conceived so again it's like a baby the process of a baby being born gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. And friends, that's why it's so important that we stay in God's Word, that we stay in prayer. Because, you know, we can, go, we can get going and say, you know, yeah, I'm doing pretty well here. And nothing can touch me. Well, pride goes before a fall, right? So we need to ask the Holy Spirit to continue to scan our life for any little seeds of sin that might be there, or bigger sins that might be there, so that we can take care of them, we can repent of them, we can get the help that we need in order that we will not experience uh, death, in this context meaning uh, just uh, evil in your life, consequences. We look at Hebrews 9.27, And just it is once it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So the good news is, as we see all these people sinning against one another and wicked people prospering, they are going to be held account. Now, hopefully, they'll respond to the good news of Jesus Christ before they're held account. Now, when we go before the Lord, we won't be held account because we're covered by Jesus Christ's sacrifice. But if a person hasn't accepted that free gift, they're going to have to face God and, of course, spend eternity uh, separated from Him. 
So, let me summarize here quickly if somebody asks you this question. <laughs> Why does God allow suffering in the world? You say, well, it goes back to Adam and Eve. God created the perfect world for them. At the same time, He gave them free choice so they could choose to love Him or not. So it wasn't a robotic type of relationship. And what happened was, is that they wanted to be like God. So they ate of the fruit. And that's what started it all. God said, everything is good here, but don't eat of that. That's what started all of our problems. That, again, is uh, what we're talking about as we talk about the issue of suffering and evil. And then you can talk about the fact uh, that we have a sinful nature that we've inherited all the way back uh, to Adam, and we're just naturally born sinners. And therefore, again, it's our choice, what we want to do. So, so God gives us that freedom, and so we sin against one another. We make that choice ourselves. So when you talk about moral evil, it's each of us sinning against each other, uh, either on an individual scale or on a world scale with world wars. It's all because of sin. And if you're further in the conversation, you can say, well, you know, because of Adam's sin, the world was cursed, and that's why the weather systems are out of control with hurricane and tsunamis, and also that's why we have illness, and that's why we die. But then you go into the good news of the gospel. I know it's, it's really complex, and if you have any questions whatsoever, feel free to give me a call. I'd love to talk uh, with you about it because I know uh, some of you have friends and maybe yourselves uh, who still have further have questions about that. Now, the great promise is that in the midst of all this suffering, in Romans 8:28, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Now, we all have clung to that promise in the midst of suffering and difficulty, haven't we? Now, he's not promising the American dream here. He just says that it's all going to work out for your benefit and my benefit in the sense that he is going to do something beautiful within you. Not exactly what you might like, but in the end, you'll see the big picture. Romans 5, 3 not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Now, how in the world can we rejoice in suffering? Well, as we many times talk about, God's goal for us is to become more like Jesus Christ. And the most, uh, most powerful tool He can use is pain in our lives. Because if we're not suffering in any way, if life is just great, there's a tendency just to go ahead without God. But when we hit problems and challenges that turns us back to God. And that's where God wants us. So He uses pain in our lives to bring Him close uh, to us and to teach us uh, things. In fact, uh, when you're going through pain, sometimes your sense of God is more clear than ever because that's when your values start to change, when you, tr you begin to rethink how you're living your life because of whatever situation uh, you're going through. That's happened to me many times before. Back in James 1, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. So, friends, this time in life is a test for us. It's a test. 
God wants to continue uh, to purify us. He wants to continue to mold us. So the goal of our lives should not be, I want to get the most out of life I can. I want to figure out how I can enjoy myself the most, and I want to see how I can meet all of my needs. That is not a biblical view for a Christ follower. The biblical view for a Christ follower is, I want to follow God's will for my life. And that might bring me into some painful situations because I live in a broken world. But I know that God is going to use that to form me and mature me. And I can rejoice because He's doing a new work in my life. So when we talk about the Christian life, uh, it's not the idea that God's going to make our lives better. The idea is that we're going to become more like Jesus Christ. As you've heard often before, God is more interested in our character than our comfort. In fact, when we look in Hebrews 12:1, it shows how we should live life. Therefore, we are surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we are called to run with endurance. We're called to, called to endure life. Again, our culture tells us we need to enjoy life, and nothing wrong with enjoying life. You know, praise God for all the blessings He sends you. But don't be surprised when you suffer. Everybody suffers. You're going to have suffering in the future. You're probably having suffering right now in your life. And, and when we suffer, we think there's something wrong here. But it's just this world. This world is broken. We are broken people. And if Jesus Christ has come into our lives, uh, He is building us, He's healing us, one might say, but we're still broken people. So I think the key thing is in expectations. You know, what do you expect? If we go into life expecting that everything is going to go just as it should, we're going to be really frustrated because that's not this world. This world is full of disappointments and sufferings because this is not the main event. This is not the main event. So we go on here, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Notice he endured the pain, despising the shame. You think of all the ways that Jesus Christ was treated and all the ways he was persecuted here on earth. He went through all of that in order to bring us to him and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And that should be our orientation as well, that we're looking forward uh, to the future. We're not focused on this life, but we're focused on the life before us. Second Corinthians 4, 7 speaks of this. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all compassion. So, this light momentary affliction, what is that talking about? It's talking about our lives. It's talking about the pain that we go through. Well, yeah, it's difficult, but it's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. The fact that if we know Jesus Christ, we're going to live forever with Him. Forever with Him. And we're going to experience 
life even better than Adam and Eve had in the garden. Because God is always upgrading things. Okay? We're going to go to heaven and we're going to be active. We're going to be working for the Lord. We're going to be worshiping, but not worshiping all the time. I think that many Christians, when they think about heaven, they think, of course, about, you know, sitting on a cloud, playing a harp or something of that nature, which that is just not true at all. Heaven will be one million times more exciting than your worst day. Okay? (laughs) Or your best day, let's put it that way. One million times more exciting than your best day. I know that's hard for us to to figure out and to, to gather, but it's true. It's true. I mean, every day, every day you wake up in heaven, you'll be looking forward to the day. Even if you wake up, I'm not sure if <laughs> sleep or things of that nature. But you're just going to look forward to it because it's going to get. It's you know, you know how you get into an experience, it's a new experience, a new job or something, and it's really exciting. And and then it kind of wears off. (laughs) Well, heaven is never going to wear off. You're never going to get up and say, oh, same old, same old. No, no. God is making things new in heaven. It just gets better and better and better and better. And we get to know God better and better. And it will be similar to this earth from my studies in the Bible. That we'll all have responsibilities. You know, we'll be busy. We'll, a lot of people think, well, I'm going to be so bored in heaven. I mean, so what happens with people is because they don't have a proper understanding of heaven. Uh, they just kind of put it there, say, and I got my uh, fire insurance there. Uh, so we'll leave that there. But now I got to focus on the main event, which is my life. My life is the main event. And when you approach life in, in that way, when you think this, whatever, 70, 80, 90 years that God gives you here, I've got to maximize this thing because this is the only time I have. That is not the way a Christ follower should view their lives. We also look in Romans 8, 18. For I consider, Paul writes, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is being revealed to us. What is Paul saying? He went through a lot of suffering. So he's saying, listen, <laughs> he had his eyes on heaven. That, that was the main event for Paul. This life was just a testing time of God working him and telling other people about Jesus. But he wasn't counting on any great experience in this life. And that's good because he didn't have a lot of great experiences. <laughs> he went through many different uh, types of suffering in his life. But the way he was able to deal with that, he points out right here. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to this. So I think what I really want to get through to you is that this is a time of testing here on earth. This is not a vacation. This is a time of testing when God is developing us. He's working his life. Now, again, he wants us to enjoy life to the fullest. There's no doubt about that. But, again, there's a lot of suffering in this world because we're in a broken world and we're broken people. And it's just the way it is. And so when something bad happens to us, uh, whatever the issue might be, uh, we shouldn't be too surprised. See, you change your expectations. Say, okay, God, I'm going to go in each day and I'm going to walk with you and I know you're going to bless me in a lot of ways, but I know difficult times 
are going to come. Because I'm in a broken world and this is not my home. Heaven is my home. You know, we've got a bead here. Uh, you can't even see it, but uh, this is an orange bead. And we're going to give you one of these beads. Uh, we can hand those out at the end of the service. So all I just say is be sure to pick up one of these beads at the end of the service. But this bead represents your life and my life. It represents uh, birth to death. It represents all the joyful experiences we have. And it represents all the painful experiences that we have. And maybe right now you're in a lot of pain. And you're wondering, what's going on? And God is keeping you in the dark, it seems. You'd like more information. But you've got to trust in Him. That He is developing you into who He would like you to be. And that's all contained in this little bead. Your whole life is represented in this. Now, <laughs> people thought that this is a zip line that I'd be coming in on this thing, or, <laughs> or I'd do a tra trapeze act. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But I tell you what, friends, this line represents 15 million years in eternity. Okay, 15 million years in eternity. And this is your life and my life. Now, I've got a red bead up here that starts it out. Okay. Think about that. 70, 80, 90 years on this earth. But the main event, obviously, is eternity. It's going to go on forever. We could stretch this thing all the way out to the O'Hare Airport Tower. And that wouldn't even be eternity. I mean, how many beads could you put on this particular line? And then it would keep going and going and going. When you're going through a tough time in life, it's really hard. It really is hard. And hopefully you've learned a little more about why it's so hard and why God allows these things. But after it's passed, after it's passed, uh, you start to heal. You start to heal, okay? Well, friends, you know, <laughs> three weeks into heaven, I think you're going to forget about your life. <laughs> Do you think so? <laughs> Anything that you have gone through or going through, I'm not trying to minimize anyone's suffering. There's so much in the Bible about caring for people and ministering them and leaning on the Lord. But again, you get three weeks into eternity, and uh, that life is going to seem so far away. And, and, and this is so important. I think this is what all of us struggle with. We have high expectations of life. And, and we should, of course, have, have goals and desires. But we forget that this is not the main event. That's the main event. And so I would encourage you, if it's helpful, uh, to wake up each day and just have something there to remind you that this is the main event. In fact, that's what this bead is all about. We're going to give you this bead. I've got a lot of different colors, so you can pick your own color. And uh, put it on your keychain. Uh, put it, you know, wherever you might uh, like it. But the keychain probably is the best place because you use it a lot. And whenever you look at that bead, you can remember that this is not the main event. This is a test. This is a test of God's broadcasting system. Okay, and eternity is to come, 
And so when you are going through difficult times, you can look at that bead and you can say, yeah, this is just for a time. But the hundreds of millions and billions of years that I spend with God in eternity, I'm going to forget about this time. I still need you, God, during this time, but you are God and you're going to carry me through this. And when you have that perspective about life, life is still painful, but it doesn't blow you out of the water. You're saying, wait a second, this is not the main event. That really is the thing that Christians need to shift through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we, it's hard to do because we've never experienced heaven and eternity. That's why we need to study about it. And the older you grow, the more you're interested, right? Because <laughs> you know you might be there sooner than other people. And that's just the nature of aging. But the point is, is that uh, it, it's going to be incredible. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time of talking about suffering. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to teach us. I pray especially uh, for people who are struggling right now. And it still hurts just as much as when this message began. But I pray that uh, they would have more of a godly perspective. I'm praying that for myself. Because you always have to remind yourself of that because you're thinking about the pain. Uh, But let let us just remind ourselves that this is just a test. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this time, uh, we're going to have Jennifer Falco come out. And uh, she's experienced a lot of physical suffering uh, in her life. And I asked her if she'd be willing to tell a little bit of her story. And she was very gracious in uh, willing, being willing to do that. So let's listen uh, to what God has done in her life. Good morning. First time public speaking, so give me a little bit of a break. (laughs) In April of 2009, I developed Guillain-Barre syndrome. Guillain-Barre is an autoimmune disease that affects your nerves. I had a virus I was fighting, and with GBS, your white cells fight the virus, and then they do not stop. They start attacking your peripheral nerves and destroy the nerve covering. This left me paralyzed, starting at the feet and then slowly moving up my body. I was fortunate that it was diagnosed before it traveled high enough up my body to impact my respiratory system. The the pain was incredible. I felt like my head would explode. My legs and feet burned until I could hardly stand it, and my body felt like a a tuning fork with all of the electrical impulses shooting through my legs. By the time the doctors found a treatment to stop the GBS process, I could no longer walk on my own. Since then, I had intense rehab to learn to walk again. I have had more than 100 blood draws as I have been left with very low white and red counts. I have had multiple spinal taps and bone marrow biopsies. I've been treated with steroids that have thrown my entire body for a loop. I am now on a regimen of over a dozen medications that try to limit the pain but come with many side effects of their own. I cannot work at my job I love. I use the cane to help me keep my balance and I get extremely tired even with mild activity. 
But even more than the pain is the depression that comes with it and the urge to give up. The worst part is is acceptance that this is how the rest of your life will be. I must admit that I had moments where I wondered why God would let this happen to me. I was angry and hurt. But then I started reading my Bible and understanding that it was quite the opposite. I found strength in God's word. At home, our family became closer. I started to realize that all of these things were once important to me, like keeping the house spotless or worrying about my career, were things I could no longer do. I began to understand that I needed to focus on what I could do. Spending time with my kids and grandkids, growing my spiritual life, and continuing to find the answers to my health issues. Yes, my body is limited in what, I can, what it can do. However, I have come to understand that no one is to blame. I understand I cannot do it on my own. I have let more people in. I joined a small group to continue to grow spiritually. God has given me a new level of peace and refocused my life. I finally just left it all to God. That was the key for me. Now, Pastor Dan asked me what thoughts I would share with others. I would tell people, first and foremost, that you do not have to go through suffering alone. I found some peace through Springbrook and the women I have met here. I am finding comfort through my small group. The biggest thing I would say is that you cannot try to handle the burden by yourself. You have to give the burden over to God and trust in him. He really does have a plan for all of us. I am learning what his plan is for me, but I know that part of it was redirecting my life to my family, my health, and my church. You just have to take that first step and let God be in charge. There are people here at Springbrook that can help show you the way. You just need to ask. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer, for sharing uh, your journey. I encourage you to pray for Jennifer uh, when you think about her, uh, Nick and Jennifer and the kids. Uh, just a beautiful testimony of just accepting that this is a broken world and that her body is broken. That's a tough place to get to, and I'm sure it's still a process for her. And that's what we need to continue to pray for, that God would help us to accept and embrace suffering in order that he might grow us uh, through it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for Jennifer. I want to thank you for her willingness to come out and share her story. Uh, That means so much to me, and I know it means so much to other people. Because everybody today is suffering with something. And they might be asking, why? Well, hopefully uh, we help people understand a little more about why you allow suffering. It's still a very complex issue. Uh, But just now to hear it in uh, Jennifer's life and how she's living out this suffering is an encouragement to us that no matter what might happen to us or to our children or to people that we love, that God is in control and that God has a plan. We give you all the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Appreciate it.